gone astray. Don't get me wrong, it ain't all bad. I love the crazy fads. Like England always buggering up. But you know we're gonna win the World Cup. I'm gonna stop the old nation. Welcome, Justicios, to yet another edition of Political Unmuted, the show that they just cannot keep quiet. We are going to come out with our opinions, whether you like it or not. Um, the I was I was singing that old time hymn to myself today. Count your blessings, count them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You've got to be careful of Victorian religion because it's all about knowing your place and, 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 and sort of being happy with what you've got. But there's not a bad thing about counting your blessings, particularly in this world that's all doom and gloom. And particularly if you're a socialist and you give a damn about other people, it rapidly becomes overwhelmingly sad. And it's not bad to count your blessings every now and again. And I was counting my blessings. And doing this show with these wonderful people week after week is one of my greatest blessings. And what a lucky person I am to be able to turn up and ask these people what they think. And sort of, and um, I hope you feel as lucky that you can listen to what they think and be blessed by what they have to say. Um, I'm going to say hello to them first and then we'll move to moment of the week. But let's just say hello. Hello, Kerry. Hiya, John. Thanks for, well, thanks for having me back again. Oh, no, no, no. It's our privilege. God bless you. Sort of now stay out of trouble this week, okay? I'm, no. all, I'm never in trouble, oh, me, John. Oh, no, no, no. And um, Jane, hello. Good to have you back, Jane. Hello, nice to be here. Thank you. What would we do without our brain box? Sort of uh, sort of expecting great things from you, not to put any pressure on you. And then the boss, Paul. Hiya, boss. Hi, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fine, and hopefully you are too. Thank you for running this show, as always. Um, let's start with Moment of the Week. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, the Moment of the Week. I don't know, I don't know why I didn't do it. I have to work that out. So te so, technical uh, issues, but techno notice in the words of Alan Partridge. The technology this week. Uh, so the um, Kerry moment of your week. Well, my moment isn't a very negative moment, if I'm honest, and I'll be brutally honest with you. Um, I think that me as a UC claimant and as a carer, this is probably the worst month that I have really genuinely felt the cost of living crisis. Um, obviously the winter fuel payments have now stopped um, it's now half term previously we've got vouchers or money off the council you know for the free school meals during the holidays we've had nothing of that and everything's just 
stopped. Like all this support for supposedly vulnerable people in society is completely and utterly stopped. And it's it's the worst month for me ever. And it's I am brutally feeling it this month. And it's actually like made me feel really mad and very sad that I'm trying to do my best and I can't do it anymore. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to go get a job that's not going to fit in with my conditions and my life and stuff like that because it's just getting that bad. It's just awful. It's really, really bad. I mean, lots of people in the same same situation. And I've noticed this month that, um, I mean, they say that inflation is beginning to, to slow down, but the, the price rises in the shops of basic foods have yeah. just exploded this, this, this last fortnight. They have. And it's just horrific. I just think that the, I mean, I know it's spring and that now, but it's still quite cold, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like it's all right during the day, get a bit of sun, but on a night, it's like really still nippy. Um, and everything's just like stopped and it's just mad. Like it's great. And I know there's people a lot worse off than me, but this is like the first month that I'm literally actually say I would swear John saying what the actual F like wow and it's really it's scary sound it's scary um there'll be uh um if people want to sort of comment on the cost of living crisis um just sort of we we love your comments I'm so sorry Carrie um Jane moment of your week <laughs> so the moment of my week so um and this isn't the sort of moment of the week that I normally have, but um, it's the passing away of Paul O'Grady. So, oh. and the reason why I say this, because I know we discuss mm. political issues on this show, but looking back and think, reflecting, I think that um, Paul O'Grady was a personality, one of like, not a huge part of my life, but someone who gave me the impression when I was younger and growing up that the world was a better and kinder place than it actually has turned out to be. And I'm quite grateful for that I'm quite grateful that I was given that impression and that um yeah for that they, we've got decent people like that um who can be role models in society so very very hostile to the Tories and love dogs so must have been love dogs <laughs> and, um, <laughs> We we we, we were talking about loving dogs before before the show went on. Uh, sort of um, dogs are wonderful. We've agreed. And um, thank you, Jane. Um, all right. Well, sort of. It is. Thank goodness I've been counting my blessings because it's all doom and gloom at the moment. Um, Paul, moment of your week. Moment of my week has been um, the Labour Party videos that they've released this week. I basically wanted to tear out my own eyes because, and I don't know if I have a cringe gland, but if I have a cringe, cringe gland, it has been overused now. Um, you know, like my teeth were itchy. Um, it was just... I'm like, this is my teeth now, Paul. Honestly, like, it was like, oh, come on, Ange, <laughs> let's go and do some things in Swindon. And it was just there. It's just absolutely appalling. He was in Hartlepool, wasn't he? He was in Hartlepool as well. Um, but the if on the theme of videos, Matt Kennard's Double Down News video on Starmer this week is absolutely spot on. If anyone can watch it, continue to support him and continue to support the Labour Party, then you know what you're doing. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just... 
you know, you, you're admitting that you support a liar and support, like, you know, like, and, and I think we need to own these things if people are saying, yeah, you know, you got to get the Tories out. It's really, really important. How, how is it? Is it should should the option be between two awful people, two liars? You know, is he even the lesser of two evils? Were that's up, up for debate. But what isn't up for debate is the fact that he consistently lies. Corbyn's his friend. Yeah. Corbyn's not his friend, and he never was his friend. Well, he's he's lied at least once there, hasn't he? Because he said both those things. Um, but the, his lies are much more sinister than that. The things he did as head as of. Uh, the Crown Prosecution Service, the fact that, like, you know, he didn't want to prosecute the people who murdered um, John Charles de Manises, um, or, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, I forget the guy who, um, the police struck him and struck him from behind and killed him for no reason and things like that, you know, he, uh, but he did want to prosecute people for stealing bottles of water in the London riots, you know, he's, the guy is, um, I think he's dangerous, so I don't want him to be Prime Minister in the slightest. And that's not out of petty pettiness. That's just he is as bad, if not worse, than a Tory. He is. Uh, he's a dangerous guy. Going back, you know where you are with the Tories. Going back to um, the uh, Labour Party um, propaganda. Um, there's a thing come out that we were talking about you and I on uh, Facebook. Uh, a Labour housing proposal for. Um, uh, for um, a motion to conference and the motion says that they asked the leadership to publicise the wonderful plans that Labour has got for, for, for housing no proposals about the housing just we just want you to, and that sums up the Labour Party at the moment they just want a set of people who sort of say oh you're wonderful we need more of you, more of you please hopeless Okay, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get some music now, Paul. Okay, oh, cool. Now it's time for the big story. And the big story is that it's Mark's birthday. No, no, sorry, that, that's the second big story. The big story this week. <laughs> is on uh, the rental housing sector, which has really hit the um, the headlines. Uh, and the dog agrees as well. Um, Kerry, tell us um, what, 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 what's going on with, with, with the rental sector? What's going wrong? It's just in complete and utter chaos, isn't it? There needs to be more, like, governance over it for a start. I mean, I'll, I'm in a council... People call it a council house, but it's a social housing house. Um, and my landlord, and you think that social housing is going to be the best landlord, are an absolute joke. They're called beyond housing. People call them beyond a joke. Um, and they just let, I don't know whether it's because the Tories are in power and they're just letting them free reign. And we know about the Tories have a lot, well, a lot of Tories, well, a lot of MPs, for, like rent, places out and stuff like that i know is it paul howell in your neck of the woods paul who rents stuff houses out um i just think that it's all for free reign now and i think that they're allowed to charge as much as they want to charge and do what they want to do when there's no like guidance with it i mean i've had black mold in my house for about five years now and it, it took a church a child to die a two-year-old little boy to die 
for them even to approach the issue. A child had to die for them. From my personal experience, they've told me it's condensation, but a child has had to die for millions of people to get heard, which is, to me, morally and absolutely wrong. And I think that when you get the Tories saying, oh, we're building all these new homes, we're building all these new homes, the shoeboxes that are unaffordable to the likes of me, you have to get a mortgage for about 250 grand. I've got no chance of doing that. They're not building homes that are needed for the people who need them, like me and other people in society. But I think that the rental market currently in this country is absolutely craziness. I mean, I want to move from my house and I've got no chance, but it's just madness, complete and utter madness. But I think that the reason that they're allowed to get away with this madness is because the Tories that are in current power rent out things and they're just letting everything slide. And housing conditions are at the worst at the moment. You only have to look at him on ITV News. What's he called? The, the report of the skinny lad with a skinny tie. Oh, and he do, yeah, and he goes round and he's a really, really good journalist and he goes round and sees things and he opens people's eyes. It's just... They're just everything's just like free reign. They can do them what they want. It's some of the houses that I've seen that people live in, like going back to like the Victorian ages, like some people have got no hot water or boilers working, and these private landlords just get away with it. There's nothing like in it, and it's just like mad. It's just a bit of a mad time. But if I hear one more Tory saying we're building so many homes and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing that. They're not building the right types of homes for the likes of me and many other people in society. They're building these semi-detached quarter of a million pound homes that are out of budget for the majority of people where I live. It's just like mad and they're just getting away with everything. There needs to be much more stricter legislation and rules and guidance about private renters. And, And now even social housing, like renting people like my landlord, there needs to be much more stricter rules around it because they're just getting away with everything, anything that they want to do when it's wrong. When I was a councillor, I was called out, just uh, just, just for everybody in general, when I was a, can- a councillor, I was called out um, by a, a resident and um, she'd complaining about mould on, on her wall. And um, I, I went round and I, I was hanging around and... He came in and they do this. They tell you it's condensation. Are you drying? Are you drying your washing inside the house? What you need to do is open the windows, get some fresh air. In the middle of winter, yeah. when it's snowing, I will do. Yeah, bonkeroonies. And I just said to him, "We both know that's shit. That's rubbish, isn't it?" Now, what can you do about this? Because we both know that part of the problem is that she hasn't got double glazing. And absolutely, they lay the blame for the problems on the tenants. It's out. Tenant. Um, Jane, I mean, uh, sort of um, the, the problems in the private rented centre, in, in the rented sector, full stop, are, are well publicised. Um, uh, sort of Kerry thinks it's to do with tougher legislation. I mean, what um, uh, the Tories and the, La- the Tory government and the Labour Party promising to do about it? How good are their proposals? How 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 effective would they be? So um, 
the um, the government's bringing, hopefully, soon going to bring through their renters' um, bill of rights. They've been saying they'll scrap section twenty one no fault um, evictions for. I think four years now, they can move very fast when they want to introduce legislation around um, deporting refugees to Rwanda. But they've been talking about this for four years and I believe it's the biggest cause of homelessness in this country and they've done absolutely nothing about it. There are some positives in the Renters Bill of Rights, but it doesn't go anywhere near far enough. Um, and we were talking before that Labour do have some positive things that they're saying that would improve conditions. Um, I think having pets is a really important thing. Um, people in private, certain private rented accommodation generally can't have pets, and I don't think that's right. The conditions with damp um, and expensive um, storage heaters, old boilers that don't work, um, hot water does that, that doesn't work. Um, I think it was a revelation to me to see that there's the same issues in social housing, and it was one of the Paul Band exposés on ITV last year that I was really shocked. I always assumed that people in social housing had it much better, and it's really shocking. The situation is disgusting. Um, but I, I think neither of these tackles the very real issue of cost, because the private rental market, is absolutely unaffordable it's it's gone absolutely mad um jeremy corbyn was saying on a show um recently that in his borough i think a bed sits two thousand pounds a month in london in his area in london i used to live in oxfordshire and it wasn't far off of that um it's not right people can't afford to pay these rents so what you get is there are so many people attracted for a fast buck there are so many bad people who just want to make quick money out of it who don't care and you have people just scrabbling around taking the cheap the cheapest I say cheapest with irony thing they can find which is a damp hovel that's not fit for them to live in but cost them probably three times as much as they can afford and they sink into a pit of debt just trying to live and living in miserable conditions, and it's really wrong. And not, neither of the parties, neither of the Labour or um, Tory party are doing anything or suggesting anything whatsoever to suggest a solution to that. And you can't ignore that because the living conditions are really important. But if people can't afford to live, then that, you know, that's really significant. So I, don't, I just don't feel that they're offering a sufficient solution to this issue um, they're just ignoring the elephants in the room I know Labour had talked about the la land value tax because we've got a strange system in this country they don't have elsewhere which elevates the cost of land for the profit you can make if you build on it which is I believe part of the issue behind our ridiculous um, accommodation prices but from what I've seen of the Labour Party so far if that is still in their manifesto then I would be very surprised if they actually did try to tackle that if they got into power um, Neil Terry says, why do people have holiday homes? Um, I mean, is that the answer, stopping her at holiday homes? Oh. There's a lot, isn't there, Kay? But I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of holiday homes because I live on the coast and, um, you know, people do buy holiday homes here and I'm happy for them, but it does make me sad that it does drive up the prices because you'll get people from London who have got equity in London, a house in London, so they can borrow a lot of money and it pushes the prices up. And also you've got empty homes sitting there when you've got people who can't afford you know, to rent or live in their area. And I think, is it Cornwall where the um, council housing list is as long as, is exactly the same um, size as the number of Airbnbs up for rent? I mean, 
there's two problems, isn't there? One is the the people who have holiday homes and they they, they go there for the holidays and then they go back to the, the, the but the other one is is the real problem is Airbnbs, isn't it? Because um, um, a landlord can make so much more from Airbnbs that the what they're doing is the move people are moving landlords are moving out of the long term rental rented sector into the short term Airbnb. It's a big problem in Scarborough and Whitby where I am, and uh, and uh, they've got various ways, but the, 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 the ways, they always seem to try and get it, and on a personal note, is that they say, we're going to triple the council tax for people who have second homes, and and, and, and the Airbnbs sort of get mis mixed, and there's this big problem about the fact that if you have an Airbnb, then it's a completely different um, tax system to, to if it's a genuine second second home to go to. Paul, what is the answer? What is the answer for you? We need systemic change, really. Um, the whole, it's it's basically the whole capitalist system here is being shown for what it is. You know, you we talk we talk quite a lot on this show about housing being a human right, and it should be. It should be a human right to have decent quality housing. But we've seen in the past that, you know, uh, legislation being turned down for, uh, you know, for landlords to have a responsibility to make their homes fit for human habitation. Mm. Remember that a few years back and they, they didn't have to do that. Now, the problem is here, we've got, like, you know, if you've got proper social housing, the state becomes the landlord. And if you if you start to do that in a in a real way in a real meaning from way like they do in other countries like France is it, it's quite uh, unusual to own your own house. Um, the state does own a lot of those things, and they have a responsibility and say, okay, right, we want this to be decent, we want it to be fine, we want it to pay for itself maybe, so people will pay something for it, <laughs> but it's not for profit. Housing is not for profit, you know making sure that people have habitable homes is a point of pride for our nation. And if we kind of move towards that, maybe we'd see better homes, maybe we'd see cheaper rents, all these things that are very important. But instead, what we've had is we've had this push to shift away from like public debt. Public Remember, public debt is private sector wealth. Like, you know, if the... If a, if a government decides to create debt, what they're doing is creating money and that money will go into the economy. They could choose to do that and say, right, OK, we'll, and we'll run this sector and we'll get some money back and all sorts of things. They could do different things with that. Um, but what they try to do is instead shift it to private debt and allow banks to create money. And that has been a big shift. And so many people are in so much debt. And that's how house prices started going up. Well, we'll give you more and more debt. We'll give you more and more debt because that's that's our private sector wealth. That's our bank's wealth. So that's like the richest people making money. And that's the system we've created. And now we've got houses that are unaffordable. If you look at, I guess, when you first bought your home, John, um, I guess it was maybe like three times your yearly salary or something like that. Now it's more like, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine times um, an average salary I'm probably you know when I started with five that p people would probably kill for like 
having five times the salary as the mortgage, you know. So what's happened over time is mortgages have gone up, debt's gone up, and this is the situation we're left with, you know, and, and even the even social housing, that's for profit as well. Like there are social housing groups at the end and they still report and profits at the end of everything they do and that's what that's what the bottom line is. They're not there to, to create national pride in what lovely housing they have. They're there to make a profit for someone who probably has nothing to do with the area, doesn't care about the people who live there. We're completely detached from the society that we, we live in, you know, like, um, and maybe like the, if maybe someone who is a landlord who like says, oh, you know what, I've got this house, I can afford to buy another one and I'll know, I'll know the people, you know, if they've got one house and maybe they'll do a decent job every now and then. But when it gets like bigger and bigger and bigger and just becomes for profit, it becomes completely unsustainable. So a massive systemic change is what we need. Um, I mean, I've said this before, one of the problems with social landlords, when they created these social landlords, they took over vast amounts of council housing stock. Um, those kind of, that council housing stock was beset with problem tenants. Um, and of course, the social landlords solved that by chucking them all out. Those, those poor people who already came from very troubled situations just descended upon what Kerry was talking about, the, the sump rental market, um, where they live in conditions of terror because the landlords there don't put up with any crap. And um, sort of the, um, and, and, and in the meantime, uh, sort of um, all the, sort of the, 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 the social housing, um, you're absolutely right. It's about just uh, running the thing at, at a profit. And, um, and they also like these these renters do sorry these um landlords do rely on the public sector as well so it's like it's going so they'll get some money and you know if, if people can't afford to have a home then the public sector will pay for the people to live in in those houses and they'll take money off the top they'll make a profit yes. off that and it's it's just a nonsense situation we see it all over it's like the private privatization of social housing, the privatization of the NHS, the privatization like PFI and things like that that New Labour did, these are all things that have been a transfer of wealth from the poorest to the richest, direct like so using using the poorest people as a middle person between the state and the rich. It's like a state giveaway to the richest. And people need to get their heads around the fact that most of the wealth that people are getting at the moment is state-driven. The state's still in debt. The state's like still got like public money, like creating public money. The problem is where it's ending up. They're not bothered about like creating loads and loads of wealth for the richest. Can I um uh, some fabulous comments? Mark Lungley, have we heard about landlords in London charging three and a four figure sums as viewings? Um, uh, lots of people sharing um, their things about mould and what they were told and, uh, and, and, and how stupid that system is. Um, Jacqueline Hemmings, um, uh, when are they going to get around to banning Section 21 no-fault evictions? Well, that's in the government's current legislation, proposed legislation. But as Jane pointed out, it's accompanied by this, by the fact that you can chuck somebody out 
um, in a fortnight. If um, and it's not just if they're um, doing antisocial behaviour; it's if their behaviour is likely to upset neighbours. So that's a movable piece, isn't it? And um, in social housing, John, that doesn't apply though, because it takes months to get an antisocial family out of a social house. And they've got to have so much evidence to evict them and everything like that. It, it could take six months to evict someone from a social housing house. Well, um, that, that's that's not a bad thing. Um, sort of. Uh, no, no, it's not a bad. It's a bad thing if they are bad, though. But it's like a good thing if they're not bad, but they're portrayed to be bad. One last thing. Thank you, Nye Davies. As usual, always the cheerful, chatty preamble, which is warming and welcoming with none of the hostile environment that oozes out from neoconservative and right-wing neo-libertarian forums and the elitist establishment class. Nye, I love you forever. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Thought that the the the, the topic on the private rental se sector is depressing. Just wait to hear the next one. Jane, what's going on in Israel and Palestine? What's this with this Netanyahu government? Sort of, uh, what are they up to? So Netan uh, Netanyahu formed a new government back in December, and since then, um, human rights charities have raised concerns that there has been. Um, a sharp, um, I think Amnesty International called it, a sharp um, reduction in what was already very poor human rights conditions um, for Palestinians. Um, more recently, there's, um, there was an open letter from 60 human rights and civil rights organisations, um, including Israeli human rights organisations, um, saying that the UN leadership needs to ensure that its efforts to combat anti-Semitism do not inadvertently embolden or endorse policies and laws that undermine fundamental human rights, um, including the right to speak and organise in support of Palestinian rights and to criticise the Israeli government policies. Um, and a group of Israeli law professors um, have recently, um, I think it's the Israeli Law Professors Forum for Democracy, 120 prominent law professors in Israel have um, made a statement recently um, urging for um, caution on the fact that what Netanyahu's new government is doing is validating or some of the measures they've taken is validating the claim that um, Israel practices apartheid. Um, so things have been looking very dark um, for Palestinian people since this new government came in. Things obviously weren't good before that, but things are getting very bad very quickly. Um, I think I mean, there's, there's there's more going on. I mean, what's all this about Greater Israel and the, the, this chappy in Paris and um, uh, sort of and and tearing at them? Netanyahu's torn up, on, or at least published a tweet um, uh, taking himself out of the two-state solution, hasn't he? I mean, what, what what's going on with sort of um, Israel's ambitions? in the, the Middle East region? Well, last year, even before this new government was formed, Amnesty International had released a report um, 
around the punitive system of oppression by the Israeli authorities against Palestinian people, um, which they said then already amounted to apartheid. They um, they reported on the seizure of Palestinian land and property, unlawful killings of Palestinians, forcible transfer of Palestinian people from their land, which I believe is what the International Criminal Court has just um, issued a warrant for Putin for. Um, movement restrictions on Palestinian people and the denial of nationality and citizenship to Palestinians in Israel. And this was before the crackdown that's taken place under this new government. Um, so this is terrible. There were regularly reports in the media, um, perhaps not in the mainstream media, but around atrocities committed against Palestinian people, children, journalists. We've all heard the, the stories about the indiscriminate killings, I'd say. Um, Shireen Abu Akleh was murdered, um, was it last year or the year before? Mm -hmm. She was wearing a prominent press jacket. She wasn't, yes. you know, it was an absolute atrocity. Um, mm -hmm. And that's it's just one of many, many instances. Um, it's a really terrible situation for the Palestinian people. I mean, I've just looked it up now. Smotrich, who's the finance minister, he went to Paris and and he was uh, sort of speaking in front of a, a map of Greater Israel, uh, which showed um, uh, an Israel which included all of Jordan, parts of Saudi Arabia. Um, so there's 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 an expansionism there, and the colonization of the the West Bank is 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 just part of it. And and and, and finally, before we move on. What's going on with the judiciary here? Because there's been massive protests about what they've been proposing for the judiciary, um, uh, Netanyahu and his government. So I know that Netanyahu's made some proposals um, for changes to, to the judiciary, which would allow, um, allow him to um, get, have more control, um, I believe. Is that right, John? Yeah, yeah, um, but I know there's been massive protests from Israeli people. And even after he, he announced that he was going to water down the measures or hold back on them, there have continued to be protests in Israel. So this is causing an awful lot of upset there. I mean, it's, sort of, it's, like, it's like Britain, really. It's sort of um, the surprise people when you, when you elect an extreme right wing government. Um, and then they suddenly start doing extreme right-wing things. Um, oh, my golly, I, don't, I, I, don't, I have very little sympathy. Um, Paul, um, Sunak recently welcomed Netanyahu to Britain. Labour has said that it's going to drop um, through the Jewish news. So it's been announced in the Jewish news um, that Labour's going to drop a two-state solution the recognition of, not sorry, drop the recognition of the state of Palestine from its manifesto commitment. Um, so, to, I mean, what do, you, what do you reckon to Britain's response to what's going on in Israel at the moment? Um, should we be doing things differently? Are you happy with what's going on? It's really interesting when you, when you see like Amnesty International declares uh, that Israel is an apartheid state. Um, you know, they, they are practicing what they consider to be apartheid. Ireland says the same thing. Um, the UN says the same thing. And it seems to be a small group of Western nations who sell a lot of weapons to Israel and who seem to think of Israel as being very strategically important in a military sense, 
don't want to consider it to be apartheid. It is an apartheid state. Um, the treatment of the Palestinians is utterly, utterly disgusting. And people try to hide behind um, accusations of anti-Semitism all the time based on this, which I also find anti-Semitic in itself. We've had Jewish scholars recently saying that, um, sorry, not Jewish scholars, Israeli scholars, um, and it's really important to make that distinction. So Israeli scholars living in Israel have declared that their policies are apartheid policies. We've got people who are refusing to be drafted. And so you've got young people in Israel who are refusing to be drafted into um, the army over there because of the apartheid that they see in their own country. Now, these people are brave. These people are wonderful. And it's nothing to do with the fact that Israel is a Jewish state, that they are practicing apartheid. Because all those people, all those Jewish people around the world who support Palestine, who are the biggest advocates for Palestine, who are horrified at Israel trying to hide behind saying, oh no, it's because we're a Jewish state. It's not because, nothing to do with them being a Jewish state. Jewish people are as diverse as any other group of people in the entire, like, you know, any, any other group of people you can think of. And there will be lovely, kind people, and there will be wonderful people, and those who practice their religion will be lovely, kind people. But there are also a bunch of bastards who will happen to be Jewish, and they happen to be in charge of Israel's government at the moment. And it's nothing to do with their Jewishness that they're doing this, but it is absolutely disgusting. It is an apartheid state. If you look at the people who they declared anti-Semites, they say, oh, Jeremy Corbyn's an anti-Semite, but it's not just Jeremy Corbyn, it's Ken Loach. Oh, it's, and it's Desmond Tutu. Desmond Tutu apparently is an anti-Semite because he said Israel's an apartheid state. I'm sorry, but you can't just go around flinging that accusation around. It means something. And every time they do that, it utterly belittles the idea that anti-Semitism anti is one of the most gross, disgusting things that anyone can do. If you look at the Holocaust, if you look at what happened there, and that, you know, those deep-seated like deep hatreds that people have carried against Jewish people for years and years and years, and then you go and say Jeremy Corbyn's an anti-Semite because you think he might like actually be anti-Semitic because he's complaining because um because Israel are treating people badly because you have to like you know oh, I'll I'll do a bit of thought police on you I think he's thinking that he doesn't it's think that at all it's disgraceful you, sorry I'm going on a rant but I'm I'm so, furious yeah, about yeah. this the um, I mean it's interesting what you're saying there the Church of England recently brought a case against uh, one of the vicars a former vicar uh, for being anti-Semitic, and and the prosecution at that case, which was held uh, before the Church of England, was that there is a new anti-Semitism, and that it is anti-Semitic criticised that new anti-Semitism, that it's uh, anti-Semitic to criticise the state of Israel. That was argued at, the um, and the Church of England chucked it out. They wouldn't accept that. And it, it is not anti-Semitic, um, even in the Church of England, to criticise the state of Israel. Well, it, it isn't because, because Jewish people, people don't, don't even have the same opinions. There, there are some people who are anti-Zionist who are Jewish. You know, like this is to, to say it's anti-Semitic to, to criticise the state of Israel is to suggest that Jewish people all think alike and they aren't as diverse of thought of any as, as any other people and there's something uniquely homogenous about the about Jewish people. No, 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 that that 
that is anti-Semitic in itself. Jewish people are as diverse as any Israel other group. And government. Is there a difference between the state of Israel and the government of Israel? I think, um, you know, the, 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 people can make different arguments around that. There is no excuse for the behaviour of the people who are in charge of the state of Israel. Yeah. It. I don't care what things are called, to be honest. I don't, I don't really believe in lines drawn on maps. I think it's a bit weird. I would love there to be an area of the world where Jewish people, Christian people um, who live in that area and um, and Muslim people all live in a lovely land like like I'm told, like I'm not 100% sure on the history of it, but Palestine was supposedly um, a, a more um, secular place where all religions were welcomed um, rather than what we have now where you have a hierarchy of religion. Um, that's what I would like to see, but I'd just like to see that anyway. I don't really care what things I think. If, if someone came along and called Great Britain a different thing, I don't think I would feel particularly different about the place. You know what I mean? Like n names, names maybe matter to some people more than me, so I'm not the right person to talk to about that, about Thank whether you. Israel needs to exist or not, but I don't think there should be a hierarchy. It shouldn't be certainly a place of torture. Um, Kerry, um, sort of... Um... How worried do we need to be worried uh, by uh, about what's going on in Netanyahu's Israel? I mean, are we talking war in the Middle East? Are we talking about a world war? Are we talking about the elimination of Palestine uh, as as an entity? Or, or is this going to blow over and things get back? What, 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 how dangerous is what's going on? I just think that they're, they're using religion as a weapon. Like, I've been accused of being an anti-Semite, which I, I'm far from. Um, and I just think that, like, there's an extreme version of being an anti-Semite now. Um, I just think that they're making it out to be a racist ideology to get their own way, if that makes it. It makes sense in my opinion. It might not make a lot of sense to you. No, I, I, I sort of, I mean, it's um, a way to, to get support, isn't it? You bang the national nationalistic drum. Yeah, and I, that's just the way I feel at the moment. I mean, you look at things that are going on in Palestine, but yet we as a nation scream about Ukraine. Yeah. And the same kind of things are going on in Palestine. What is double standard? That is so double standardish. And I think I hate that. I genuinely hate that. And I think that people who um I won't mention that well I will mention the Labour Party because they accuse me of being an anti-Semite and I'm not. Um the anti like the Labour Party you're using that as a weapon to expel members because they're getting paid off Israeli, like Israel and stuff like that. We've all seen the evidence of that. And I think that it's disgraceful that um, the Jewish community are being used a lot of the time as scapegoats to suit people's agendas. And that makes me bad. That, that, that really makes me ill. And I don't think that we would do that in any other re um, religious, like, community and I think that a lot of people in society because it's not going for their agenda I'm trying to be careful with words that's why I'm kind of stuttering um, it's not going for their agenda just part, like just say oh well you're an anti-Semite because it's not going in their favour and I think it's disgusting that the Jewish religion is being used as a weapon in global society shall I just say thank you very much indeed um, some comments here. Neil Terry um, uh, has made some smashing comments. If you just look at the uh, the comments, um, 
I think particularly pointing out that that the government has got legislation which will stop people boycotting goods from Israel, um, which as we were talking earlier, um, Paul was talking about how inadequate the, the, the British reaction is to what's going on. Um, uh, Maria Nelson as well, thank you for your comments. Um, you, you, like Kerry, drew the um, discrepancy between our attitudes to the Ukraine and our attitudes towards Palestine. Thank you very much indeed. Um, last sentence, last sentence, last question. Um, teachers! Yay! Um, so I said, teachers, okay. Um, <laughs> what's happening with teachers at the moment? They're all on holiday! <laughs> Lazy. <I know>. <laughs> what's happening with teachers at the moment? Shotgun. This, this one for me, John. Um, yes, you. Okay, so um, the teaching unions um, who have all balloted uh, their members um, to see whether they want to go on strike. The NEU met the threshold. Like all, so all teaching unions, I believe, um, did vote to go on strike, but they didn't meet the threshold, which is um, fifty percent of all the members um, need to reply by post which can be quite problematic given that, um, you know, a lot of addresses aren't updated and things like that and what have you. And people, things get things get lost in the post. And, 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 you know, there are issues around that. But anyway, the NEU have been taking strike action. Um, I've been taking strike action along with them. I'm a member of two unions now because they've gone on strike. I joined the NEU to join in that strike action as well as NASUWT. Um, and yeah, um, the government have come back to all the unions and said, oh, well, we're going to slightly improve the offer. So they haven't said they weren't going to improve the offer. And they offered 4.3% um, next year, which um, having... So basically, if you look into the past, since the world financial crisis, or at least since 2010, teachers' wages have been frozen or there have been small below inflation pay rises. Um, now this has happened year upon year upon year um, and now like you know the teachers have missed out if you if you add up all the differences so per year um, I think the teachers are about £10,000 on average less than they would have been getting if it had gone up with inflation um, but if you think about all the lost earnings like it's it's a lot more than that because every year they've they've lost a little bit more and they've lost a little bit more and if you add all those up you're like 20 30,000 pounds down on where you should be um and everyone's had enough and it's not just that it's it's like paying conditions as well you know as, as well as pay it's conditions of service people are working harder class sizes are going up and one of the things that is very very important to note is the unions are all asking for a funded pay rise now, the government is saying, well, we'll give you a, a small pay rise, which is under inflation, but you're going to have to find that from existing budgets. So, you know, that budget that, yeah. you know, like, so, you know, maybe you can cut down on the amount of exercise books that you have or, or you know, that massive heating bill that you got last year that you have to pay for. Yeah, well, sorry, because you're going to have to find not only that, but you're also going to have to find extra wages and that's going to lead to redundancies. So oh the government God. aren't even going to fund the pay rises, the measly pay rises they've been offered. 
Now, bearing in mind um, MPs year on year, they, you know, they actually haven't missed out at all since the world yeah. financial crisis. They are exactly where they should be because in 2016, when, um, sorry, 2015, when David Cameron's government got in and the Tories got control, they decided to give them a massive pay rise to catch them up to where they were. So MPs are absolutely fine. They're doing fine. Um, but teachers, people who, who go into work every day to try and look after the next generation um, are in financial difficulties. And people have just had enough. So the NAU have uh, announced two more strike days um, and will not accept that. All the unions, I believe, well, all the unions have balloted members to see whether they accept this new terrible deal. Um, I believe it was 98% of NEU members on a 60% turnout in six days said no. So, yeah, there's there's going to be more strike action. Um, they've also mitigated that a little bit by saying that they will make arrangements for year 11 and year 13 because they have exams coming up. Now, how reasonable is that? Can you ask for a more reasonable group of people who are going to actually, you know what? If you're worried about your exams, we'll help you. A couple of years ago, think about the, how the government treated um, the people during the pandemic and how little they valued education. They were going to just do it on an algorithm. They didn't care at all. But teachers do care. And I think okay. they're demonstrating that at the moment um, very clearly. Okay. Thank you. Kerry, um, I mean, are you with the teachers on this? Do you think they ought to reject the government's offer and, and, and go on? Oh, they should tell them where, to shove it where the sun don't shine for me. I think that in our little school and our secondary school during the pandemic and everything like that, and over the last few years, teachers have become social workers, support workers, they feed kids, they clothe kids. They've become such more, much more than teachers. And they do that, like, especially in and all other skills, not just our little skill in our big skill. They do so much for our kids. They bend over backwards for them. They, like, do everything for them. And it's quite tragic that our teachers aren't seeing the same. I mean, I remember our school went during COVID and they were offering, like, packed lunches in the first lockdown. And I used to go and get them, you know, just to get out of the house for a bit away from the kids. And I used to go down and get them, and they were so supportive. Have you got everything? I'm absolutely flabbergasted that the disgust of the way this government's like treating the people who were like teaching our future generations. It absolutely infuriates me. It makes me bad. It really, really makes me bad. Can and I think that. that do you think, Kerry, that the reason the government is behaving in the, the way we do is precisely because they know that the teachers actually care so much about the children? I mean, do you, do you think the teachers have brought this on themselves by actually giving a damn about the children and, and, and not wanting to harm them? Well, if you go into a teaching profession, you obviously care about children, um, regardless if it's primary or secondary school. You obviously want to make a, a difference in a child's life. And I was school as I, I can't, honestly, I, for, as a parent, I cannot, and with a send child as well, I cannot fault our teachers. To me, the, the sun shines out their asses. And I, sorry, John, for swearing. <laughs> um, 
So there, I've, I've heard Paul described in various ways, but it's not that's why I asked that, Paul because I know Paul Daly swore earlier, so I know I can get away with it. Um, but yeah, I think that our teachers deserve far much more credit than what they're actually receiving. And I mean, I'm not being funny. Does Rishi Sunak give us give a hoot about uh, a primary school teacher in a state school or a secondary school teacher? in a state school or is he more, more bothered about his privately educated children and what's happening in their lives it they, they, they could not give a hoot and they cannot give a hoot and i'm i'm just i'm saying hoot instead of swearing at you john um and i think it's really infuriating it's to me it's literally like the amazing teachers during lockdown covid and everything like that have been smacked in the belly with a sledgehammer and I think that this government should be ashamed of the way they're teaching, they're treating our teaching staff. I really, it really, it really bothers me. It really does. It makes me bad. God bless you, Jane. Um, last question on this to you. I mean, sort of, it's true. Teachers have been notoriously flaky about going on on strike in the past. Um, many of them have, have gone in because they had to. Um, give their children breakfast, yeah. which they were already paying for out of their own pockets. Um, sort of, um, and they've not gone on strike. This is this time is different, isn't it? Um, why do you? What do you think has steeled the teachers' resolve this time in a way that in the past hasn't quite been evident? Oh, I mean, I'm sure Paul would have a lot more um, knowledge in it on this than me. But it seems to me that we've reached. A breaking point at this stage where the education system has been so broken over the years in terms of the quality of what the teachers are able to give to the children because of the restrictions on the syllabus and what they're allowed to teach and how they're allowed to teach it um, with new rules coming in um, you're not you're not allowed now to teach anything that goes against capitalism ridiculous inappropriate rules coming into play and the system was already underfunded and on its knees we've had I've We've heard about, you know, school playing fields being sold off, schools being privatised and turned into academies. One of our local ones, I think two million pounds mysteriously went missing. No one knows where that went. Um, I've heard so many terrible stories about academies. And I know from friends who are speaking to friends who are teachers, they work really hard. They put so much in and it's become increasingly hard for them and difficult for them to deal with what they're seeing day to day. Like you say, it's not just what's happened to education and the syllabus it's them seeing children who aren't eating children taking food from bins i read a story about a, an article about a teacher who set up a charity to deliver mattresses to children where she lives because she found that so many children where she lived didn't even have a mattress to sleep on let alone food to eat and and the salaries having been having declined the way they have for teachers. Now I suspect a lot of teachers are just struggling to make ends meet, just like everyone else. Um, the education spend has gone down from 5.6% of GDP in 2010 to 4.2% of GDP now. Where's the money going to? What are they spending on? Because they're cutting funding on their NHS, they're cutting everything. I've just read a story about um, £206 million in dividend over the last two years going to the company that leases equipment to train companies. So that's where our money is going. They're squeezing education and other important services, taking money out into private hands whilst. Can I just come back offers. in a minute? Sorry, Jane. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, don't mean to interrupt. Can I just come back in from a personal perspective? My name's Mr McIntyre, right? He was an NQT in year four. And he done his NQT and then he's a now a fully qualified teacher in year five. This young lad, right, he's 24. He's brilliant with our kids. He's got three children in one class who's lost a parent. So that's like, they're becoming even grievance counsellors for the kids now. So like in our class, they don't do Father's Day cards or Mother's Day cards because there's three children in the class, including my niece, who've lost a parent. So they're having to also deal with that. And it's just wrong, isn't it? And it's uh, it really infuriates me that they're, that they're just seen as our teachers, they've got it good. But they're everything now, social workers, grievance counsellors, everything, they're everything. Marnie absolutely idolises Mr McIntyre. And he, you know, like Ben Mitchell off EastEnders years ago with the little glasses on and that. Can anyone remember little Ben Mitchell? Well, Mr McIntyre is just a bit of a taller version. He's only 24. I'm old enough to be his man, which is grim. But he's amazing. And he's now like a grievance counsellor and everything for three kids in like a 26-kid class. And I think that teachers are absolutely just shot under the bus and discredited at any given opportunity. GCSEs go wrong, it's the teacher's fault. Everything goes wrong, it's the teacher's fault. It's wrong. Thank you. Um, And with that uh, eulogy for Mr McIntyre, we'll bring the show to a close. Thank you. You Um, so everybody's loving you, trying not to swear as well. Um, The... (laughs) What if it remains, first of all, Justicios, thank you for your fabulous comments. Thank you. It's just really good this week. Thank God bless. Well done. The the, the fifth member of the, the, the panel, uh, spot on. Um, to my, uh, my guests, Paul, Jane and Kerry, as always, you've just been fantastic. And thank you for those really amazing and insightful comments. Um, sort of, and... Uh, from me, it's it's goodbye. I'm going to um, hand over to Paul to, to to close the show as he always does. And uh, but don't forget, just this year, we need you next week as well. See you. Then. I'm not coming next week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, the show will be for the poorer for it, Kerry. Oh, thanks, John. <laughs> Paul, what have you got to tell us? Okay, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, it's been it's been a really good show, I think. Thank you so much to John for doing all the things. He prepares us, you know. He, he prepares us and gives us articles and things like that so that we don't look really, really stupid. Uh, so <laughs> thanks to all the work that John does. He's an absolute superstar. Thanks to Jane and Curry. It was really brilliant as well to hear from Curry tonight from a renter's perspective as well. And that's one and of the Curry beauties. Curry Curry, Paul. What? Curry or Kerry? I said Kerry. You sound like you're saying curry. Do I? That's just my accent. Yeah, Sorry. It's the Durham I... accent, isn't it? It's the yeah, Durham thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought a little bit. Um, so, Sorry, Paul. Yeah. Thank you. And that's one of the that's one of the beauties of uh, Socialist Think Tank. We do try to give people who actually have um, actually have 
some experience of what we're talking about in there and it matters to them so like tonight we've had like you know a, a renter and a teacher and you know and and i suppose it was a bit difficult for jane leading on uh, israel palestine as she's not israeli or palestinian however she did a wonderful job and i really really appreciate everything you've done make sure you subscribe to us on all things um whether that's twitch twitter um uh facebook youtube uh instagram all tiktok i think we've got a tiktok laura's ticking over on so that's really good um so do all those things and then um hopefully we will see you all next week last thing is um congratulations to daniel kebedy friend of the show who's been elected general secretary of the neu so that's worth saying and that was going on in the chat as well thank you so much to the people who are in the chat we will see you all soon um and you can go to socialist think tank dot com and become a member if you would like um we will see you all next week i hope take care everyone bye bye we'll keep the red flag flying here